Hey there, everybody. Jordan back here with Garen talking about his sermon from May 1st on a theology of singleness. Exciting title, huh? Yeah. Garen, these titles, man, they're just... Just blow you out. Of, they just make you want to sit up and listen. Your creativity they? knows no bounds with the, with the titles. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I really do like it because it is straightforward and it tells you exactly what you're getting into. So this is the theology of singleness and... Um, where do singles fit in the evangelical church? And is it wrong to be single? Is it wrong to want to not be single? Working through all that stuff. And Garen, I appreciate it. I mean, I didn't know what you were talking about yesterday, but until I got in my chair, but I always love sitting down and thinking, man, this is such a great topic. And I'm not sure I've heard it taught before. So if I hadn't heard it before, maybe some others hadn't, why was it something that you really wanted to talk about? Kind of multiple reasons. Because one, I've never heard it. And there's just a lot of stuff I think, I, I mean, obviously I think about, but I'm like, how come these things don't get addressed like in church? I've thought that for a long time. So that was part of it. I've read stuff that in the evangelical church, a lot of singles feel left out, feel like a third wheel, feel second rate, feel like they're the JV, because we, we, we and it is a good thing that we, we want healthy families, right? We, we want healthy marriages. So we focus on that a lot, and there's nothing wrong, but it, get fo- it gets talked about so much. Um, you'll have family. If you're, if there's a family series, it's always parenting and parenting and marriage, parenting and marriage, parenting and marriage, right? And just realizing singles feel like they're never talked to about some of that stuff. And I've read things about that. And then, you know, having, you have kids that are single and hearing them talk about church and how they feel or they fit in or don't fit in. So there was just kind of multiple things, but it's a really important topic. I feel like, even in looking at this, I told the group, I said, I could do three sermons on this because I could do Jesus' view on this, and I could do a sermon out of Isaiah 56. So Scripture talks about it in some really big ways, but you just never hear about it. And that's a large part of our church, right? we got all the college kids, and we've got singles, different ages, and people. I liked how Alice, she really made it a big deal. Like, it's not just single, single, it's widows, you know, people who've lost a spouse, or they're single parents. Like, it's, it's not just the singles we normally think of, and like for them to sit, maybe go their whole Christian life and never hear what Scripture says about their station of life. Wow, yeah. And I think that's why they struggle with it so much, because they don't haven't been given a biblical view. So that's mm-hmm. why I thought it was important. Yeah, we, we tend to have this view of, in the church at least, yeah, the goal has to be marriage, yeah. and if you're not doing that, you're just in a waiting room, yeah. and there's, you know... If you're in if you're in that group, you're thinking maybe, well, is there something wrong with me? Like, why is this not happening? But your your passage that you read yesterday from a few spots, it, it's clear that Paul at least viewed singleness as the advantage yeah, to being married, right? Because yeah. you can have that undivided heart, undivided attention on Jesus. And there are, for lack of a better word, distractions with a relationship, yep. and your heart cannot be all in on something because suddenly you've got this other half of you that you are yeah. caring for, and yeah. and sometimes kids and things like that. So right. we know Paul's view on it, which is really good to hear. Um, and I just appreciate you you shedding some light on that and kind of asking questions that maybe some of us are afraid to ask or afraid even to hear the answer to. So. I thought it was useful. Yeah, cool. You jumped into 1 Corinthians 7, and these were kind of the two takeaways towards the end, but in verses 17 through 24, just pointed to the fact that um, contentment was a big part of following Jesus well in singleness. And what were you trying to get at with those with those like seven verses there? Well, so actually, you know, if you read through the chapter, there's just he's just kind of being really, it's very upfront what he's saying. 
but you've got these two think texts in here, these two sections that when you read them, they're like weird and you don't know what the point is. That's why I preached them last year. And you're like, why did Paul put those in there? Because everything is so straightforward. And what I realized is, is that I actually think these two paragraphs are actually the key to what he's actually getting, that he's giving us the two key resources to living as a single or as a married well, and that that's why he stuck those in there. Hmm. Um, and so, yeah, one is on contentment and one's on priority. And I just told you as we were talking beforehand, as I talked to a pretty significant number of singles before all of this, just to hear some of their thoughts... When I, I was asking them, you know, what's the advice you would give to other singles? The two things that came up the most was keep Jesus first in your life, because if you don't, you get discontent and unhappy, and discontent and priority were the two things they talked about. They didn't know what I would, they didn't know my text, they didn't know any of this, and I thought, how profound that Paul put in here a paragraph on contentment and a paragraph on priority in Jesus first, because he knew... And God knows that that's what marrieds and singles both need to hear, those two things more than anything. Yeah. So you you pointed to the fact that in 17 through 24 in 1 Corinthians 7, Paul talks about contentment or being um, content, being happy with your current phase of life, yes. with your current circumstances, yes. not always thinking that, you know, I've messed it up and it could be better, or if I was to go for this thing over here, it would suit me better. Yep. And don't you think there's this kind of undercurrent in... And secularism, or maybe it's just in younger generations. I don't. Maybe it's everybody that like you need to be a little bit discontent, and you need to kind of like jump around and find what's best for you. Yeah. And yes, yeah. I mean, I I see that with people my age. I see people switching jobs a lot. Yes. I see people switching cities a lot, yep. and it's all in the name of like chasing the dream. Yes. Or and you know if, if that's if that's what you're supposed to be doing, that's great. But it just seems like everybody's trying to do it, and there's this kind of like unspoken glory to it, like, oh, they're really going after it. But the people who are staying planted or maybe who are really being faithful to one spot, it's kind of like, well, they're settling, Yeah, you know? Yes. And it's kind of like this unspoken, like, it's either good or it's bad. And I just wonder if that's kind of also what we're getting at here. Like, Paul's sure. talking about being content in your phase, whether it's singleness, whether it's in a spot you are, in a community or whatever, like, you don't always have to go chase the new sexy yes, thing. exactly. There's some real beauty and there's real glory in being content with something. Yeah. And that fits, I mean, so when I talked about the two views of marriage, if you look at the modern Western, so traditional cultures make marriage the idol. In our culture, we make the individual the idol. And it's all about individual happiness, fulfillment, desire, whatever makes you good. And that the younger generations have really heard all of that more than before. Yep, so it's all about, hey, your job, it only satisfies you 70%. Well, it's all about you. It's all about your fulfillment, so go to the next thing, and that whole grass is greener thing is kicking in. So you go to the next thing. You're right. I've heard the, the, num the number of years people, younger people stay in jobs is like three or four. They're jumping around a lot. It's because there's a lack, I think, of contentment and a willingness to be like investing in a thing, staying in a situation. doesn't mean I have to do that my whole life, but... Yep, I th I really feel like that's a you're you're very true, man. You're right in saying that. Uh, this is a good time to tell you. Yeah, uh, you know, I've been here for a long time, so <laughs> this is the. I'm just gonna go try it somewhere else because <laughs> yeah, not really content here anymore. There's so. a really cool church. Uh, what's the really big one? Oh, Craig Rochelle. You, yeah, you Craig called Craig Rochelle plant in Emporia, probably. Yeah, yeah. Those life those life churches are popping up everywhere. So <laughs> we're gonna pop one up here in Emporia too. So that was contentment. And then in 29 through 31, just talking about priority and how even if you're if you're in a relationship, how you know 
that can be a deterrent from God as well because, yep. man, maybe you make your spouse, your boyfriend or girlfriend, whatever, like maybe that's your your idol yep. and pleasing them is everything and you think them pleasing you is going to be everything. And, yep. and you we'll can fulfill you up, fulfill you and give you everything you need. Yeah, it can be just as big of a roadblock as singleness, it yes. sounds like. Yes. So uh, watching out for those two things. And yeah, you said the people you spoke with listed contentment and priority as two big keys to staying focused on God, no matter your phase of life, but no especially matter. That's why I think this singleness. applies to everybody. I think it's so profound. And then in Philippians 3, 8, you just talked about, Paul talked about his source of contentment and that it was it was rooted in Jesus. Yeah. So he didn't have to go find it somewhere else. Um, yeah, everything to him was loss. Yeah. Even earlier in that text, he says, it's like garbage to me in comparison to the surpassing greatness of knowing, intimately knowing, relating to Jesus. Yeah, that that was... And that's why he could say then the next chapter that he's learned to be content no matter where wherever he was. And this is a dude, he's in prisons, right? He's getting beaten up in places. He's hated everywhere. He's, you know, in storms about to die. He's in chains. And this guy can say that. So you're like, what is it, Paul? And it's like, because Jesus is my is the surpassing greatness to me. And he's also, I mean, before Jesus, he was also like very well esteemed. Yes. Probably stayed in the nicest hotels. Yes, right. Had people kissing his ring. Yep. You know, so he's been on both sides, and he can look back even before he knew Jesus and say, "Man, I was missing it then. Yeah. I was not even nearly as filled up as I thought I was." Yeah, that's why I think Paul's so profound because what he's saying here, like he lived it out when he's talking about contentment priority here in Philippians, that ch- that book on joy. That's he's like, that's the key to it. That's hmm. that's where I'm at. So there's all these books and podcasts on like seven tips to having joy and how to be content <laughs> with the real you. And it's like if we just read Philippians three eight. You know, Paul's got the secret, man. Yep, you don't have it. to buy a new book. You That's can just right. read what's already been written there. Okay. Um, we wanted to end with a question that somebody posed to you yesterday, Garen. It was a really good one. Someone came up to you and said, well, you say being single, or Paul says being single is actually better than being married, and it's to your disadvantage that you'd be in a relationship because you can't focus on Jesus and all these things. And and this person said, well, look at Genesis 2. When God creates woman, he says it's not right that the man is alone. So I'm going to make him a helper. So doesn't that mean that it is actually better to be with a spouse than alone? Because God sure thought so. So, what was your response to that? And what would you tell people listening? Yeah, that that was an interest. That was a really really good question. I appreciated it, and I even had wrestled a little bit with it. Um, probably the first thing I would say um, is I was encouraging him. We've got to look at the whole arc of the story of God, and that thing he does create marriage in the very beginning, and that's really important. Um, but what you want to know is, is where is that thing at the end of the story? And what we find out is, is when Jesus comes back and new creation comes, that marriage is done away with. And so it's not that marriage is bad, but marriage was never intended to be the ultimate relational thing um, because it gets done away with at the end. So there's a lot of stuff in Genesis 1 and 2 that comes back in new creation. That's one that doesn't. So again, it's so easy for us, I think, to elevate marriage it is a good thing, and it should be elevated, but I think we elevate it to the ultimate, And but it's not the ultimate because it's not going to be in the end. I don't know Trinity. if this is right or not, but could it also be that at the time, the man was alone in the garden with creation, and he had no community? Yeah, he had no community. And so that's was, why, that, was that yeah. part of it too? Like yes. he literally needed yes. another human to yes. have community with? Yep, and that's part. Another thing I told him, as I said, it wasn't so... Yeah, marriage. It was the creation of marriage, and it's important. But to me, it was bigger than that. He's alone. It was a call for, like, you need community. Mm-hmm. And to me, the community is the bigger thing, because you find community in new creation. Yeah. So that, to me, is the deeper, more profound thing. So if you can see into the heart of God in that moment, 
when it says he is alone, maybe it's not so much a relationship status, but it is a you know that he is he is outside of a community. Yeah, he is he totally is and just looking more at that. singly alone. Right, and there's nobody. Yeah, he's yeah. not looking at s- status of single relationship wise, but just single, not in community. Yeah, maybe. And if Jesus, the other thing I was we were talking about was if Jesus is the Son of Man, if he is the 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 authentic human, if he is what it means to really be human, and if he's not married, then again. That means it that marriage again it it's not the ultimate thing, and you know if you would have if you would heard Jesus say "Son of Man" in his culture, it would have sounded the way it would have come out would would have been "Son of Adam" is what he would have said. You know we say "man," but Adam was their word for man, and so he would have been calling himself "Son of Adam" or the embodiment of Adam, and so but he's not married, so the embodiment mm. of Adam is community. He calls twelve. The embodiment of Adam isn't marriage. It's again, it's important. So I don't want anybody to leave thinking. We're putting marriage down. It's extremely important, but it's not the ultimate highest thing because we don't see it in... Because if Jesus was the the embodiment of what Adam was supposed to be, we see new creation. Community is there, but marriage is not there. A lot of times we have this tendency, and we talk about it all the time, which is why I think that we have this tendency that we want to make things either garbage or God, right? Just like yes. sipping salt water. And you're saying right now, you're like, hey guys, don't miss it. We're not saying marriage is garbage. Not because saying that. so yep. often when we say something isn't the main point, our fleshly brains want to push it into the garbage yes. pile yes, exactly. and say, well, I don't need it at all yep. then. Uh-huh. And right. I hear you all the time bringing us back. Guys, I know I'm saying this is the main thing, but it's still a good thing. And it's so hard to hold things in tension yes. like that. Good. That's a good point. And then it is a gift. It is. He uses gift language in this chapter. So marriage is a gift, but it's not God. And I think it's easy. Cultures all over the world have made it God. I think it's easy for us in the church to make it God. And when we do that, singles feel that. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I'm missing, they aren't saying it, but I'm missing God in my life in a sense. I'm missing the greatest thing in my life because we've elevated that level. So what is 12th going to do, Garen, to include singles, to invite them in, to bring them in a community and not just let them exist on the periphery? Yeah. What are we going to do? I think hopefully some of the stuff they talked about yesterday, hopefully when you see somebody sitting by themselves, mm. that you'll... Wait, wait, wait. Do I hear them. you calling the body out to be the church and invite others in? Yeah, there's can, no yeah. there's no specific you... program for this. We have to love people on our own and... Yes. <laughs> oh, Garen. Yeah. Can't we just create a program? I think that's it. The, pro- okay. the, the yeah. singles... Pro- and they stand in the back with a, yeah. like a placard, yeah. single... And, and, and then they're waiting for somebody to come pluck them and then sit down with them. Yeah, that's awesome. So you're saying the body needs to have eyes and ears and be sensitive to those things. Hospitality, man. And yeah. use the gift of hospitality to Welcoming. invite people in. Because mm-hmm. there's not always a program for everything. Yep, exactly. And we're the body, right? Yeah. That's cool. And inviting them in your life. And I love, you know, Alice talks so much about this that her... I mean, he even talked about the tidy. He doesn't expect tidy, David said. Like, just bring them in your life. We used to have people with internationals. Don't create a perfect home and invite them into the perfect home for an hour. Just have them over, take them on a trip or something. Just if anything, have them in your make life. them feel better about their life being single because of how crazy your married life is. You know, <laughs> if you bring them into a perfect situation, like, man, I wish I had this. If you bring them into a hell hole and it's crazy, they're like, wow, singleness does not sound so bad yeah. right now. Well, that was my younger brother. He, <laughs> when he lived here in Emporia for a while and he'd come to our house and then he's one time he said, he said, I love you guys. You guys are great. But, uh, the, this is the reason I'm never getting married and I'm never having kids. <laughs> there you go. Maybe that's the gift you can give them. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah. So if you if you want to really love your singleness, come hang out with at my house for a week and <laughs> well, not anymore. Just... It's just you and Pat. You know, it's 
it's not as wild as it once was. Yeah. No, Pat's awesome. I'm the problem. So just to make that clear. But yeah, just get people in your life. And like Al said, like check in on us. Like get to know us and then just see how are things going and and all that stuff. That's what I and we've been working on this. There's some things we've been doing, and I I just want us to always keep it in mind. Uh, let me give you one example. Laura Dunn on our staff is single. And we were talking at staff last, a year ago in February, and we're like, hey, we need, let's do a children's conference. We felt the need, parenting, right? A parenting conference. So we set it up in January, and then we're like, we need to get back to that rhythm. So, oh yeah, the next year we'll do, we'll come back and do a marriage one. And I don't know if you remember, but Laura goes, yeah, and singles don't show up to either of those. What can we do? And, and I'm like, you know, you're right. And so what we're thinking is the year after that, we'll do that healthy relational material. And it's just unhealthy relationships, and anybody can come to that. And just even having her say that, I value that, that, you know, hey, don't just do stuff that only fits marrieds and parents because that leaves people out. Make mm. sure we're doing things. doesn't mean we don't do those things, but make sure you're doing things that can involve everybody. Right. So I valued her saying that. And I mean, obviously, Laura was fired for talking back after yeah, that. Yeah, well, obviously, yeah, that's why she's so. <laughs> not on staff. No, we valued her so much in that moment. Yeah. So that was great. Cool. Okay. Any final thoughts, Garen? I think we've we've covered it well. No, I think that's. May, I might say one more thing that I, I said to that guy that I'll just say briefly that actually David and I talked about last night. That Tim Keller in his book on marriage has a chapter on singleness, and he said something profound about singles that I'd never thought of because he had seventy percent singles in his church in Manhattan, New York, and he said he learned from watching a lot of them that he said that he thinks, that he saw that singles actually have more friends and deeper friendships than married people do. And not only that, but he said marriage love frequently is not agape. Parenting love is agape, but marriage love frequently is not um, because, you know, this in marriage, it's, you get in a fight and it's like, you're not meeting my needs and you're not meeting my needs and it can, it can be very self-focused, right? He said friendship is rarely that way. Friendship is almost all about loving and serving the person. Mm. And he says friendship love, he thinks, actually reflects a deeper agape love than marriage love many times. So he said, mm. you know, as a single, you have more and deeper relationships and probably a deeper kind of love you're trained in than a lot of marrieds do. And I thought that was really cool. So I shared that with David, and he goes, you know, he thought about it. He said, "That's I think there's some wow. truth in that. So That's really cool. anyways... Man, there's a lot I left on the table, and I'm sure everybody's glad that I did. I'm trying to get better at that. So, <laughs> Okay. Garen, thank you so much for being on this topic, and uh, we love learning new things from new passages. So appreciate it. And singles, if you have any thoughts or have any more questions, um, please reach out. Garen would love to field those for you. So we'll see you later.